podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need... This is the Whistleblowers, and I'm your host, Martin Gritton, uh, back again. Um, we've finally seen the back of January off uh, but after this weekend's games but I think everyone's in very much need of a, a break um, our first guest no strangers to the whistleblowers music industry mogul and all-round Spurs enthusiast that's what I've gone for Gareth oh, that works Gareth Dobson thank you nice to have you back thanks for having me back pleasure um, and next we have another whistleblowers regular football writer John Bruin hello Martin hello John good to have you here and our final guest is an old teammate of mine and a man after my own heart. He's an ex-pro um, who's moved into uh, another world, perhaps the media world. Uh, ex Notts Forest, Chesterfield, Grimsby. He can count amongst his clubs and now football writer for the Times, Gregor Robertson. Hello there. Hello, Gregor. Nice to have you here. <laughs> nice to be here. And, and just a recent mover to London, I hear. Is yes. it lock stock now? You... Yes, very, very nearly. Yes, I'm nearly a southerner. <laughs> well, good to have you. Anyway, uh, so a quick word from our sponsor. So uh, Labrick's bet is uh, if you sign up and deposit £50, Labrick's will put the same amount into your account, giving up to £50 worth of free bets. That's at thewhistleblowers.net or you can get it via our social media. Um, okay, guys, so I think we'll have to start with the, the having Gareth on the show um, with Spurs. I mean, it's pretty obvious after yesterday's game and the drama that ensued in the last 10 minutes but uh how did you enjoy that uh i didn't enjoy it at all <laughs> i was i'm still pretty emotionally wrung through um it was, it was it was i think it was one of the better games of the season just in terms of the pure excitement it was it was a good uh the opening 45 liverpool were clearly the better team and i thought spurs did quite well to change a few things around we went to back four and and then it all kind of finished in that ridiculous last 10 minutes. It was bedlam, wasn't it? Yeah, Absolute it was. mayhem. Did you watch the game, Greg? Yes. Did you? Uh, so, I mean, from from your perspective as a as an ex-pro, I mean, as for the entertainment value, it's great for the neutral, but a little bit shambolic, would you say? Yeah. Two two of the most exhausting looking teams ever. I mean, the, imagine you and me in those kind of teams. Yeah, I, don't, I, I can't. I literally <laughs> exactly, can't. Yeah. That's it. The big number nines, the big number nines that they have are Harry Kane and Firmino, who are both the most athletic, skillful, brilliant footballers. And uh, there's no real kind of uh, centre floorboard. It's a centre, proper centre forward. You know what I mean? These guys uh, can do multiple things. Um, so yeah, John, I take it you, uh, you caught the game? I did, yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, what was your take on it? Well, I think what you've got are two the probably the two most entertaining teams in the league, but the both and what makes makes them entertaining is the flaws within them. Really, mm. they're involved in exciting games. Obviously, Manchester City are the best team in the league, but those are the two teams that can do something against Manchester City. It's a similar style of play. Yep. It's a pressing game, but. Um, so many good players there, um, and actually, if you think about it, it's forgotten in the Farrago over penalties or whatever, but Harry Kane scoring that penalty after missing the first, mm. that's the measure of the man, isn't it? Oh, no, I, I mean, absolutely, and, and it's nice if we can keep talking about the football because the, the, the analysis, the kind of off-pitch nonsense that's happened and just kind of got bogged down in the last couple of weeks is just, it's, it's you know, it's 
indicative of of society in terms of everyone's outraged all the time about everything. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, although you know, it, was, it was instructive to see that no one really knows the rules of football. Yes, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> I more alarming. in that, even though yeah. I played played the game a bit. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, so yeah. Well, the, you're talking about the penalties. The yeah, offsides, I mean, it's obviously, the, you, apparently, it seems to have changed recently in terms of Lovren getting that that final touch was a new phase. I was going to ask you. I mean, like. Um, the rules seem to change every year. Now, you lads played the game. Yeah. Is it at the start of the season? Yeah. Do they actually take you through what's changed in the game? They give you a kind of, it's almost like a card or like a flyer. Yeah, they come really? in. Someone comes around yeah. and, and has a discussion. Someone about comes in. Really, what, so they, so they, someone, they send a referee over? It's not, it's usually someone from the FA, isn't it? Yeah, you'll get, you'll get. You'll get everything into one. Gambling. You get a represent, yeah, the gambling, <laughs> and also they'll come in and say, oh, you can't take Lemsip now. That Lemsip's yeah, off the menu. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. You know your stuff. Hey, Wada. All right, Wada. In terms of rule change, the other one is a couple of years ago, uh, uh, carriers would have been sent off as well for the uh, for the penalty. For um, moving when, on. Okay. No, for just bringing Harry Kane down, ah, clear goal scoring yeah, opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. It was the triple jeopardy thing, I think yeah. you're talking about. And they've obviously changed that now, and there's the referee's discretion where mm. they feel if the penalty is a sufficient enough. <laughs> it's sufficiently weak. Yes. But yeah, if it's a sufficient enough penal- uh, uh, penalisation, then they aren't obliged to send the keeper off. But you know, a couple of years ago, that would have been an even bigger situation because Liverpool would use all their subs. Uh, one of the one of the memos I definitely didn't get was when they started taking kickoffs, just passing it back. It was just one guy uh, kicking. I'm going, hang on a minute. What's going, <laughs> yeah. what's going on here? I did get that memo. Did you? Start, I was baffled by that. Euro 2016. Was that, was that when that it kicked off? That yeah. was bizarre. So the wider public actually got that memo when they all bought the new version of FIFA. Ah, and that's when... Got is it. that right? Yeah, no. Pro Evolution Soccer is also available. The wider public. The 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 widest public, the very broad public, um, yeah, they booted up their FIFA and it's like, oh, there's only one guy taking a kick or he's knocking it back. What's going on? I, t- I told a story about uh, Michael. Do you remember Michael Reddy? I, I won't re- won't go through the whole story, but just the whole nonsense where the referees would come in and have to announce whether it was multi ball or just a single ball, oh, and God, they'd come yeah. in and when he'd go, it's multi ball, and Reddy'd go, yeah, just like run across the changing room, sliding on his knees, like multi ball, yeah, as if he'd like just <laughs> loved that, just to kind of take the mic Did, out of there. Wasn't that because Everton when they had Duncan Ferguson? would sort of change the rule, you know. Mm. It was like, okay, we've got Duncan Ferguson for the throws and move it through mm. quickly. Well, also, you would get managers would often then, if you had multi-ball, then they would get somebody to go around and have a word with the ball boys and yeah. say, lads, yeah, yeah. you know who to give it to quickly yeah, and yeah. who not to. I know, that's right. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it, that, um, that kind of taking all of the benefits of it out just to kind of have some more partisan or some sort of involvement I th- in I it. think Pep Guardiola prefers multi-ball, doesn't he? Absolutely. I mean, so well, let's let's move on to Pep because I loved his comment after the game about British football, and it was almost it was with a kind of just a sigh. He just looked a bit kind of beleaguered and a little bit broken, and and obviously he's given everyone a few days off, and he was just like, "Yeah, it's just British football in it." And then the, the you know the commentator picked him up on it and said, "Well, you know, there's got to be elements of it that you admire out of that." And he's going, "Yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's, there's elements." But he hit it well. I thought he sure. hit it quite well. In fact, he's he, good. Did. he did, and he's very he's, he's always you know very impressive. But that that was an interesting one because that was a real kind of just flogging a dead horse. They were just they're just a t- you know they not not getting a second goal obviously hurt them, but they they look like a tired team, don't they? Yeah, I mean, although it was still embarrassing, I know we were trying not to stay. 
we're trying to stay to on on football matters, but not to put someone on the bench and just to make you a think point. So. But I, that's think so, maybe, I thought yeah. that was embarrassing. Yeah, but well, guys, you made that point, didn't you? As well, because we were chatting about this before and saying that that he's made he was making a statement by that. And I've I mean I've heard to the contrary, but I mean because they had the under twenty three games the night before, so they couldn't really. I mean, he could have brought someone and sat them on the bench. Well, what's more important? Another yeah, but, game or, but I, I, or I heard that he was waiting quote, on David quote, Silver. Quote so he was waiting on David Silver. He was going to, that was another but, reason. But presumably he could have, the, I think he's just making a point. It's like, well, okay, just the player that's in. going to play in David Silver's position or maybe an extra defender, just keep him out. Um, you lads know better than me. Um, but uh, but no, that, no, that remember, experience of being sat on the I bench, remember, sat uh, in your jacket in absolutely. the cold. I remember, the, I remember like yesterday, the first time I got brought into a squad in Orton Forest. What was the game? It was Walsall in the in the Carling Cup. It was a classic, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. of course. That was my first game. Well, well Walsall Carling Cup, yeah, yeah got battered. I mean, I remember it was a Wednesday, and you're supposed to have college that day. And yeah, the guy, yeah, the college. It was the college guy who rang me up saying, "We've just had a call. Like, you're not in the college today. You're." You made the squad tonight, and he was, he was more excited than me. I That's think. brilliant. So I remember all. Oh, I remember and then you have got your shirt on the wall, and yeah. women Des Walker saying, "This is the first step." The next step is getting it because I didn't get on. So the next step is getting a game. So it was a huge, it was a yeah, huge yeah. day. See, and it would be the same for any young it player. It's like, that. like yeah. that's a big thing. And the next step was, was getting a game in the next round or whatever. Yeah, no, that's very important. I, and you're right. <clears> it's I, and there's a lot of very good young players there. That <laughs> well, they, yeah, they have a you know an academy. I mean, actually, you go to Manchester City, you see the academy pitch they play on. Like you know, Mansfield Town would like to oh, play course, in the yeah, yeah. stadium of, <laughs> yeah. that, of that quality. That's no disrespect to Mansfield. We Town. used to like Mansfield Town when I was at yeah. Ma- when I was at Mansfield. We used to like to keep the pitch a bit rubbish so that yeah. people could play football against us. So that's a bit of a moot point. But yeah, <laughs> with the with the city starting eleven, I mean that back four that contained Downlow and company. I mean, if you're Burnley, you must have been a little optimistic about your chances compared to you know the best side they can put out. That's. Do you not think company and Danilo? I mean, is that like their second string defenders? Basically, you saying? I think so. Because I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to play against company no, no. any day of the week, especially not at Turf Moor. And you know, <laughs> kind of the guy's no nonsense. But you're right. I, but I this thought, isn't the company of three, four years ago when he was yeah. one of the best defenders in Europe. Yeah, in Europe, yeah. he was superb. And you know, unfortunately now, you know, injuries have taken their toll. But I, I was going to ask ask you, like, when you played for your you know your first seven your various clubs and there's injuries or there's suspensions do you ever did you ever look at your starting line for your own team and just think nah this isn't gonna happen we well, sometimes when there's loads of injuries it actually works in your favor doesn't it because you go somewhere and you go we've got nothing to lose here we're playing four kids and then you sometimes that would that would be a real catalyst for something better to happen you know if you got a good result out of that game it puts real doubt in the, the guys who play every week or the ones that would be quite annoying when lads would just come straight back into the team anyway wouldn't it I think it would depend on the opponent too if you're if you've got guys who've been out of the team coming in at, at Burnley then they think then that that's a good opportunity for them if you're playing they're playing against Manchester United then they had to feel the weekend, te- weekend team you look around and you want your best players with you then yeah. that's what I would say yeah, I'd say. I, I think <clears> it's funny though that Gareth said before, it's like Danilo, you know, played for Real Madrid. <laughs> no, Vincent Company, probably one of the best centre backs yeah. has ever played in yeah. the Premier League. Yeah. And also another player that I, I was watching that game and I thought, oh, they can't be playing a strong team because Gundogan's in the team. <laughs> and it's like, well, Gundogan yeah, is, is a very, very good world. player. And that just yeah. shows how strong Manchester City yeah. are. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, you know, and, and credit to 
Burnley for just sticking around and it was a hell of a goal they Great scored goal. you know yeah. on a half bounce a back stick coming in and that's not a was it, it was not an easy finish by any any stretch of the imagination well Gibson's been having a really good year he's yeah. been I think really instructive for Burnley he's got good delivery he puts a lot of balls in and um, yeah he's been nice to get a to get a big moment on the cameras. Yeah, no, well, it wasn't the only good goal because uh, I just come back to that Wanyama goal. Uh, absolute hammer from him. But there was some brilliant goals this weekend. Danilo's goal was a, a great finish as well. It's um, Cordero for Brighton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a hell of a goal. Yeah. I heard, I heard this before. Which goal was better, Salah's second or Wanyama's? Oh, Wanyama's, surely. Because Salah's, it kind of opens up. Salah's okay, got that okay, kind of... we're getting the pro's view here. I, I mean, just Wanyama's. Like, like which, the, which is the, the Premier League is would... built on those sort of goals. Yeah, like exactly, the Yeboahs, yeah. the kind of, you know, Shearer, the Rooney. We were just watching it at the pub, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, you know, they played the Rooney goal about 10 times on the spin and I still wasn't bored. And, I could have watched and, it another 10 times. And, and Wayne was watching it and he could not stop. <laughs> he couldn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah was so that was sure. a lovely, yeah, that was a lovely <laughs> moment. I was listening to an interview with Mark Lorison recently and he was saying that there's a divide in the match of the day studios whenever they do goal of the month and goal of the season half the pundits are all about the 30 yard you know thunder strike and the other half are about the the six you know six man one touch passing moves so yeah, well, there was that it's Jack, a philosophical there was that question, Jack Wilshire there? goal against Norwich <laughs> mm. two or three seasons yeah. ago that one goal of the season and yeah. it was like yeah all right lads but you know there must have been some yeah. almost making a point about yards. it right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're the ones that get you kind of off your seats more than anything they're else. Ronnie Radford the moment it's just a one Ronnie Ronnie yeah, Radford. Nowhere. Yeah, you can see the build up to the to kind of yeah but the Batistuter yeah yeah absolutely yeah just kick it as hard as you can <laughs> just <laughs> kick it lever it as hard as you can and hope you get a sweet connection <laughs> I on love it. that man all right well let's move away from the northwest uh, after the break we'll come back and discuss the goings on in North London The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we were just talking about the games up at, uh, for Liverpool and Man City, but there's been another game that's perhaps was more telling this weekend, uh, just in terms of the way that the new players have gelled and finally kind of clicked in, and it might be something more. Gareth's looking at me like, I don't want to talk about this. So, John, we'll start with you. Arsenal, uh, would, uh, even against the, the Everton team as it was, was that impressive or is that something that... Um, do you think it's a good sign for them? Listen, I, I think Arsenal fans are entitled to be excited about that. Now we know that Arsenal fans will veer from excitement to misery within a few days. Um, <laughs> and Gareth is hoping that the misery happens <laughs> this weekend. But um, Henrik Mkhitaryan looks an Arsenal player through and through he does, doesn't he? in the fact that like he, is un- he is likely to be amazing sometimes and incredibly... Uh, well, he's going to go missing in some other games. So, so you know, and, and Obama Young, um, the speed, I mean, he's so quick that he actually beat the offside trap and beat the, mm. the, the you know, he was offside. Like that, that is an incredibly fast player. Yeah. Uh, I feel a bit sorry for Lacazette, but, you know, a new Arsenal, exciting times for Arsenal. Yeah. But we know that miserable times for Arsenal will happen soon enough. So. <laughs> Greg, did you what did what, did uh, you see the game? I was just going to say I read a really good piece from uh, James Gearbrand in the Times today, and he was saying that everyone talks about the tactics of Arsenal and they talk about whether they've got the kind of moral fibre. Mm. But the best Arsenal teams always looked like they were enjoying themselves, like really mm. the you know the emotion of it. They, they looked, you know, yeah. they played with a smile on their face. Sanchez seemed to have a oh, yeah. 
kind of a bit of a, a scowl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was also seemed to in the latter stages have a a bit of a detrimental effect on, on those around him as well. So yeah. with him gone and then two guys coming in, Mikatarian hopefully with a kind of new lease of life. And Obama Yang looks like someone who he's just got that big grin on his face yeah. all the time and the speed merchant. It could be a kind of New lease of life for them, I think potentially. But I think I also agree, with John. They've got that in their in their locker of kind of going away yeah, to blooming. I think Brighton are getting gubbed. <laughs> the thing about him is that he's regarded as a troublesome character, but it's almost like it's not because he's disruptive in the sense he's like a Sanchez character. It's almost like he enjoys himself too much, hmm. and that that's one of the things. And, and Arsenal Wenger is the most libertarian manager so so maybe there might be a I mean we, we, I think we're in the death throes of Wenger so the death rattle definitely there's something going <laughs> well, I don't, on I don't want to talk about well, I feel sorry for that but you know it's, we're in the last no, stages of it but I think, I, th- I think you know the Arsenal fans actually have always had those cult heroes you know and I think you know the Paul Mersons um these type of players that lifted the fans, um, Robert yeah. Perez, all yeah, that yeah, type of thing. Yeah. It's good to see them have those players. I mean, yeah. they're really interesting. You said new Arsenal, but it's also older Arsenal. It's the first time that I can remember under Wenger, and this might be a telling thing. They they brought in older players. Mkhitaryan is yeah, twenty nine. Um, Abanyan's twenty nine as yeah. well, and that's obviously either a move away from Wenger, for, you know, in terms of his philosophy, or perhaps it's an indication that. You know, the club as a whole has maybe moved away from Wenger as yes, the man right, who's yeah. entirely in charge of transfers, and that's a, and that with the also renegotiation of his contract in terms of the wage structures being absolutely smashed to bits for that. But yeah. you know, necessary. I mean, I, I would imagine freeing up Walcott from because I think you know he was on a good screw, but I think he was on one of those. Uh, with contracts that kind of he got more when well, people came in on more money do you know what I mean which is I'd, cool. I'd love one of them I never got one of them Gregor <laughs> oh, I, think, do I, think, I think the <laughs> story is that they got rid of the 60 goals from last season or something like mm. that you know Giroud went as well yep. another high wage earner actually if you actually add up the players they've brought in they're probably not lost out that much no, no. So, well let's I, the game this weekend to probably the, the real marquee one is the, the North London derby gaff. So uh, with that in mind and after Tottenham's kind of resurgence, it was a nice way to finish against Liverpool to kind of go into this game with a bit of momentum. Even though it was a draw, it probably felt like you, you got something out of it when you shouldn't have. Yeah, you'd think the Spurs fans probably are, are happier at the end because of uh, you know the, the pattern of the goals. But it's, you know, to also come back off... You know, a 2-0 win against Man United a few days before. Um, you know, there's always there's been questions about how Spurs play away against the best teams in the last few years, which is fair. I think Pochettino's record is very mediocre at best. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I think to, to get that point probably helps and gives them a little bit of belief. It was it actually made me think a little bit of you know when Spurs went to Chelsea uh, a couple of years ago, went two 0 up and imploded. And uh, it was Chelsea who had the, you know, the street smart sort of savvy to get back into the game. Mm. And, yeah, you could argue it's a little bit different. It was Spurs who, by hook or crook, mm. made sure they, they came away with something. So, you know, I, I think if, if, if you want to look for the, 
you know the brightest part of if you're a Spurs fan that's that's quite warming it's mm. it's also quite rare that Spurs have never really been the uh, the pantomime villain <laughs> team in in the Premier League in the last 20 years there's always been another team who you're like oh they've got the decisions or they've yeah. you know they've won penalties and it's it's quite interesting to be supporting a team who uh, got the rubber the green for a rubber change. the green yeah. or, and or, or being looked at by other other fans as well it's Spurs they're getting these penalties now yeah yeah <laughs> Um, we talked about this before but I wrote a piece about Manchester United fans increasing paranoia and one of the things they have a bee in their bonnet about is Spurs you know why is everyone praising Spurs you know is Pochettino that good and well Spurs are a club of you know infinitely well not infinite but far uh, lower resources with a manager and it's what what have they won so they've not won the Europa League and the League Cup I mean, I think that is a blot on Pochettino. Oh, absolutely. Of course it is. Uh, and I think he possibly could have tried harder in certain competitions. But, you know, I, I imagine that as a Spurs fan, Gareth, that it must be amongst the most exciting times to be a Spurs it's, fan. It's the best Spurs team I've ever seen. I mean... Oh, really? It's, yeah, I mean, so I started following Spurs around 86, 87, and I, I can't really think of... So, so you're better than Waddle, Clive Allen, Richard Goff... Yes. Okay, fair play. Because they won more games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, winning more games. And they're winning them stylishly as well most of the time. It's 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 really exciting. But uh, the other thing, yeah, you mentioned trophy spurs have still got to go play Newport uh, in midweek on yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, that's horrible. So that's it'll be horrible. interesting, you know, with three... Basically. It is tough, but, um, you know, with Arsenal on the weekend to play, you know, three top six teams in a row, I, I assume he's going to pull out a very different sides maybe we'll see a actually we won't see a debut for Lucas Moore because he won't be eligible yet but you know you get to see people like Lamella come back which is exciting I mean they can finish Arsenal too in terms of Champions League yeah, yeah. it's a big oh, hopes they can worth, finish them yeah, off yeah, really yeah. I think if they um, beat them it would be quite a nice way for them to do it I would imagine from your perspective well uh, the other team in London tonight uh, are playing so by the time we talk about this it'll be over with the probably the more compelling thing to talk about is Conte and the fact that his job is even on the line and the absurdity of that and perhaps you know the players that he's brought in and the things that he's done I mean I can't imagine if he did leave he's not exactly leaving Chelsea in a better state than when he arrived you know what I mean in terms I, I think at that point he would say and from everything he said that that isn't his responsibility I think one of the things about the well Conte and Chelsea when Chelsea appointed Conte, they knew what they were getting. They were getting a guy who would probably deliver some success and then want more from the club and have high demands. And when Conte joined Chelsea, he knew that even if he delivered success, it wouldn't be enough and something might go wrong behind the scenes and the transfer mm. thing wouldn't be the same. It happened you think to he Ancelotti. knew that when he joined? Yes, I mean, come on. Uh, if I don't you look at history, due, but I think... If you, he did you, any due diligence, I mean... Like, I, I, I think most of these guys have got such a big ego that they think they can be the one to change that. That's absolutely right, Okay, Yeah, of course. <clears throat> but even within a, as, as vast an ego as I'm sure <laughs> Antonio Conte has, but that's the way it goes. Now, what he would know is that he wouldn't be as powerful as the man that owns the club and the people, you know, Marina Granovskaya, um, Michael Aminola has left now, yep. but those people run the club and that's the way it goes. Um, even any manager that's delivered success, I mean, you know, you go through Ancelotti, you know, Di Matteo was sat within six months of winning the Champions League. It, that's the way it goes. And funny enough, 
as much as Conte make make public protestations about that, he knew the deal. He's actually uh, augmented his reputation by being at Chelsea. He did such a great job last season. Yeah. Can walk into any job around Europe, you know, Real Madrid, some of the big Italian clubs. I think he'd be keen to go back to Italy, by all accounts. I think yeah. that's just the, the nature of it. That's, well, the, that's the other side of it, all of it, is that he doesn't seem to be all that. No. no. But, that, <laughs> but there's a layer of that, isn't it? There's that loyalty. I think that's what you were pointing to, John. The, there's that le- there's the loyalty issue at Chelsea. No one ever really feels like a Chelsea man. Jose was as as, as good as you're going to get, and you're never going to get anyone. And no one's ever going to do that. Again. <laughs> yeah, so twice. if he's going to get shunted twice. twice. So, sorry, I have one yep. very quick question about Conte. I, I want to know what you think about his absolute fascination with the number nine. Why he asked of a player of a certain profile? He, he needed is, he needed Martin Grip. He yeah. did. It's like, but this is a man. So when he it's was January, th- a lot of managers hit the panic button, and better man. You got than, a lot of moves in January. A, a lot of moves in January. I my bag was always packed. There was always petrol in the Black car. Bending, bending. Because <laughs> even when he was the Italy manager, he played Graziano Pelle up front, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he clearly just is fixated. There's on nothing this wrong kind with a big solid Plan B, Gareth. That's what I like to think of it as. I think yeah. From my perspective, perspective i think it's really important that that teams have a, a plan b but i don't Giroud probably i mean he's going to go from one club to another just to sit on the bench he i mean he must have ambitions to start it must yeah. purely be because although although when he's one of his stipulations was to remain in london you get this get the kind of feeling that maybe that's not his primary okay primary but, yeah. of, uh, he, he, the family decision <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, think, I think this, this start with Giroud was he Started one game this season, uh, and in the previous season he waited till Boxing Day, which I think might have been the time he scored that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know the scorpion kick thing. Yeah. Um, Giroud knew where he was at at Arsenal, and I presume at this point he's happy with where he, what's happening to him at Chelsea. Well, I mean, to be honest, he's got, he's probably got more of a chance of getting a game there now, uh, just with the way things are panning out. But we'll see how that goes tonight. Well, listen, guys, thanks for uh, joining us tonight. If uh, have you, what, what are you working on at the minute, Gareth? Have you guys got anyone touring or is there anything exciting happening? What's what's the music world doing in January? Is it awards season for you guys? No, awards <laughs> are generally back end of the year. So okay. it's more about new records. Everyone's getting excited about what they're putting out. We've just put out a new EP by the band Ride. Oh, nice. It's very exciting. What, as in Ride? Right, as in Ride. Amazing. Yes. As in the band you saw when you were 20. <laughs> I saw them I at Glastonbury. I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's class. And yeah. yeah, we're looking for okay, that one. Can, uh, we'll tap him up. Yeah, we'll have. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, Just yeah. pop around to the office. Uh, uh, Gregor, what's um, what's on the on the cards for you at the minute? You're uh, obviously doing the weekly uh, visit around. Yeah, gen- different. Generally writing about non Premier League football, which yeah. does exist. Uh, so yeah, very much so. Times every Monday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and who who are you? I don't uh, know yet. Don't, don't ask know me yet. That. But you just you just did uh, Fulham recently. Yeah, We'd... I was at Fulham at the weekend. Probably the most middle class club in the world. Uh, there's a I neutral think... section which I was quite amazed by. Um, nice. Yeah, some really good young players. There, obviously, Cesson Young, the yeah. player who everybody's watching, and he fell over the ball a couple of times, which was a bit uh, disconcerting. <laughs> but uh, you can see he's got something. Yeah, he's been um, he's been he's been excellent this season, yeah. hasn't he? Good stuff. We'll look forward to reading more of that. And John, what's uh, what's on the cards for you at the minute? <laughs> the world is my oyster, I, after, considering my new circumstances. So I'm looking for opportunities. Hired gun. <laughs> hired gu- gun for hire. Yeah, c- c- and occasionally hired Catch him on LinkedIn. And, yes. uh, yeah. you can, uh, <laughs> I don't do LinkedIn. <laughs> do you not? <know> <laughs> no, but well, that my might LinkedIn change profile's quite out of date. 
And oh, I still get emails asking for jobs, but I can't link, remember. Yeah, <laughs> every, everyone gets LinkedIn emails, so I think it's just it's the nature of it, isn't it? Uh, anyway, guys, thanks very much. That was the Whistleblowers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labbrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licences, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licences. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.